All right. Good morning, Church on the Rock. Woo! <laughs> oh, I love to hear those voices come back. Yeah, I hope uh, that uh, you are having a good summer. Don't look at the date, right? Because it just keeps on slipping away. And who knows, we might still be in the beginning of, of July, right? And it's not halfway through August. <laughs> oh, my goodness. As, uh, as, the, um, as summer sort of drifts off, uh, we're starting to get, as a church, get ready for the fall because that's, that's our big almost Christmas time here. So we have one more Sunday that we're going to be looking at uh, the book of Colossians. The, the week after that is uh, September 27th, and it is going to be camp day. We're inviting kids here. They're going to be doing camp songs. They're going to be uh, inviting their, their families. This is actually, we should call it Friendly Sunday for all the people at Church on the Rock to reach out and love the people on the way that, that will come and fill up these seats. A couple weeks after that, in September 10th, we are starting our first fall series, and it's called Spiritual Practices, Spiritual Practices. And uh, it is going to be our first series that sort of kicks off everything. Uh, these are some of the things I've learned on my pilgrimage. These are some ways that you can connect in very wonderful and spiritual ways. And just letting you know that, that there's, uh, if you have a friend, even who's on the way to God, that might have some spiritual interest. This would be a great series for them to be able to just to discover how to make some moves spiritually. And not only that, it just is going to be great refreshment for our souls. So let's, uh, let's pray and let's get into God's Word today. Heavenly Father, how oh, you are good. We just ask that you'll take our scattered senses that are all over the place from family and, and meals and vacations and schedules, Lord, could you just settle that down, recollect them all, and help us to focus on you and your word and what you'd have for us. God, help us to come away refreshed in you. God, we need you in so many ways. And God, each one of these people have come to gather here at church, and I pray that you'll use those steps of obedience as a blessing back to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, as uh, some of you know, this summer we're going through the book of Colossians. We don't often do that, we, uh, but we're, we're taking some time to read through a whole book of the Bible. If you haven't, you can still do that. It doesn't take that much time to read through the book of Colossians. And uh, if you want some great uh, um, sort of ways to remember, we printed off some prayers that uh, all the way through the book of Colossians, ways to pray through that. And that's back at our communion table. So as you go and celebrate the Lord's Supper later on after the message, you're welcome to take this, and it'll help you remember the things that we've gone over in the book of Colossians. So I hope you can enjoy that. As we're looking at this letter, it's a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. He is in prison in Rome. And in prison, he's writing to a group of people he's never met before. But one of his disciples have gone and planted a church there. And so Paul starts off this letter, and half of it, the first half of it, he's telling them these are things that are really important to believe. And this is how Paul writes almost all his letters. The first half is, here's some really important things to believe. And then the last half is, okay, practically, this is how you live it out. So if you ever read through one of the letters of Paul, you're going... Wow, this is a lot of like theology, is that all? But is, if you don't give up, 
about halfway through, he'll switch and say, okay, now this is how to live this out. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we get most of our truth and news and uh, everything from uh, Instagram and TikTok and uh, all the uh, really authoritative sources. And uh, often I've seen some memes that said, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're a nice person. Well, every, every book of the Bible in the New Testament sort of pushes back against that. No, what we believe actually forms how we love each other. Uh, what we believe about truth and God and right and wrong actually colors and, and shapes how we love each other. So I'm glad that uh, some of you are, are trying to read through the book of Colossians. That's great. Now that we're in the practical section, you're going to hear this phrase that I love. I just love this phrase. It's called one another, one another. And uh, it is through this little section quite a bit. Uh, one another means what we should be doing for each other here at church. This is the whole one another passages. I, I know I've said this several times, but it's really fun. I was on a, a church retreat, and somebody said, okay, so, so, Dave, what's your job description in the Bible? What do you have to do? And so, you know, I let them know, well, I need to preach. That's, that's part of it. And I need to train other people to be able to do their ministry. And I, I'm supposed to be praying for other people. These are all these things. And they're, they're trying to evaluate me whether, you know, do I, do I do the job description? And I said, so how about you? How are you doing on, on your end of your job description of, of somebody being in a congregation? And they said, there is no job description in the Bible about going to church and going, yeah, there is. It's this thing called one another. When we gather, we one another. It is a responsibility of everybody that comes to be able to love each other, to bear with each other, to forgive each other, to teach each other. All those one another's, it means sort of what it means to live in church. In fact, one of the commentaries I was looking at says this passage we're about to read is, descri is describing transformed relationships within the church. So Jesus told his disciples, hey, everybody's going to know you're my disciples by your love for, you know, often we, we cut off the last part, but we're, people are going to know you're, you're a disciple of God if you love one another. There is this one another love that happens that people will go, hold on, hold on, these people are different they seem to be for each other. In fact, the, the local church is sort of like the training ground of Christ-likeness. So we can learn to love each other, and that spills out to the world. It's, uh, it's, uh, the commentator went on to say, um, a reconciled relationships within the faith community bear witness to God through triumph over uh, society's corrupting influence. In this sense, changes within us and between us serve an evangelistic purpose, people become convinced that the gospel is true when they see its fruit lived out in the lives of the believers. And so as we love each other well, people say, hold on, this is different. This isn't like, this isn't like having, having a bagel at Tim Hortons, you know, in the morning. This is more than that. This is more than, than hanging out at, uh, at some club that, that I'm a part of. You see it at funerals where, where, where somebody, you know, is one of your family member dies and your family is there. And then these people just come in 
say, well, who are they? Who are they? Who are they? Oh, they're a part of my church. They're a part of my church. They're a part of my church. Why? Because we're here for each other. It happens in just giving to each other. There's so many gifts that happen under the surface at church. I wish, it could, I wish people could know about it, like an appliance given here, or some money given here, or a car given here. There are things that happen under the surface here just because we're in community and we're for each other, that we love each other well, so well, that we hope the world will see it and, and, and recognize it. So of course this Christ-likeness spills out everywhere we go, but it starts here in the local church. So as we read this passage, I hope you can put those glasses on of the one and others because it makes this a little more powerful, it makes it very much more pointed as we read this. Okay, here we go. Our next section in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, 12 to 14. <clears throat> it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. There's that's one, that's one of the, uh, one another. It's bear with each other. Like, you know, put up with each other. It's like, really? Yeah, can you just like get along with each other? That kind of, that's just sort of like baseline, right? Can we just get along in the sandbox and play well? Bear with each other and then go further and forgive one another. Why do you need forgiveness? Because this is a, per, you know, community of perfect people, right? No, this <laughs> is specifically because we've got all kinds of people here, including myself, there's an invitation to forgive each other. And if, uh, if any of you has a grievance against anyone, someone, forgive as the Lord's forgiven you. And over all these virtues, put on love that binds them all together in perfect unity. If I can look at that first little phrase, it's chosen people holy and dearly beloved. It's really interesting because we figure most of the people in, in Colossae were Gentiles. But, but Paul addresses them with all the titles of the Jewish community. The Jews would be known as we're God's chosen people. We are holy and separate people. God loves the Jewish people. And now Paul says, hold on, hold on, no, no, no. Those walls have been torn down. And guess what? Gentiles have been planted into the tree of faith. And now we are all God's dearly beloved, chosen, unholy people. What does it mean to be chosen? The Jewish nation was chosen to bear God's message. They were the chosen ones to go and bear God's message out to the world. Uh, some people say, well, does that mean that, that uh, all the Jewish people, you know, got to go to heaven? Were they chosen by God? No, no, we know that's not true. The Bible's pretty clear on that. It's chosen is not for salvation. It was about being able to bear God's God's message. So now he's saying, hey, Christians, Christian church, guess what? As people who have been chosen to give God's message to the world, and that's a, that's a weighty matter. And then to be holy, holy means to be separate. The Jewish people were, were called to come out from the nations around them, be separate and different. I love to call them holy different. They're just wholly different. When, when other nations would come and say, let's do this, they said, no, we don't do that. We don't do that because we are a holy nation. And guess what now? Now, Paul says, guess, we are now the holy nation. We are chosen to bring the message. We are now set aside different than everyone else. And then, 
dearly loved as if this was more than just an official recognition of, yeah, we are in God's family. God dearly loves us. Now, why? He loves his local church. He's walking amongst it in heaven like lampstands. He's whispering to its leaders, to its angels, to its overseers, whatever they are. And, and he loves local church, and he loves you. If you're a believer, believer, God, your Father, dearly loves you. He sings over you. He will never leave you. And somebody needs to hear that today. You believe that God has left you. You, you haven't paid enough attention or whatever you've done. Now, God promises that he will never leave you. He delights in you. Isn't that, isn't that better than love? It's like, oh, yeah, so God so loved the world. He loves me. Yeah, okay, good. Check, check, check. No. Have you ever seen anybody delight in somebody or delight in a place or a thing? Just like that, that silly grin that they get on their face, right? God delights in you. He sings over you. He never leaves you. He delights you and he calls you. His child. <laughs> uh, so he says, basically Paul says, okay, since you're the message bearer, since you're holy and separate and different, and since you're so loved, now you should probably act like this. <laughs> you should, you should kind of do this, right? Except I'm, that's me and my interpretation. Uh, Paul that's probably was a little bit more bold than that. He says this, first of all, put on, okay, Every day, put on, especially Sunday mornings, you're coming to church, all right? Put on the jacket of compassion. Man, when I grew up, I had to get all dressed up, hair, hair greased back and everything, man. I had the little suit, little bow tie, you know, the shiny shoes. I still have a picture of me standing up very straight beside my dad. He, we had the same kind of suit on. And we got dressed up to go to church because I, I didn't know why. But that's what you just did. You just dressed up to go to church. So, in other words, he says, listen, okay, as holy people, as dearly beloved, as message bearers, put on that jacket. Not literally, okay? We are free from that. Amen? All right, especially in hot days. Okay, so, so, <laughs> but put on the jacket of compassion. This word compassion has a, has a sense of mercy to it. When the father saw the son come back in the prodigal uh, a parable, he says he felt compassion, and he ran towards his son. Uh, Jesus goes and sees a whole bunch of hungry people sitting on, on a hillside. Is it his responsibility to do anything? No. But guess what? He feels compassion. Just, it's, just, it's just able to stop and not be in the urban trance of getting out of here. I'm going to apply this to church. Okay, I, I know how, how we all are, right? You go into church. It's like, wow, good sermon, good worship. All right, you know, Christian Chicken is waiting at home. I'm getting out of here, right? I'm motoring out of here. And so I'm going to be on the urban trance. I'm going to get out of here as fast as I can. No, no, no. Clothe yourself in compassion. Perhaps slow down and ask yourself, who, who will I stop and talk to today? Uh, my daughter used to ask this often when I was around her. And she would use one word that would slow the whole conversation down. And she would go and say, how you doing? Really? Isn't that great? How you doing? N no, no. Really. We're going to slow down. 
I'm going to clothe myself with compassion and kindness and find out how you're really doing. So clothe yourself in compassion and mercy. Next uh, piece of clothing we're supposed to put on is kindness. It's, uh, kindness is in action. These words are used when, when Isaac dug wells for other people to be able to use them. He just went around doing good wherever he was. It's dropping compassion wherever you go. It's like, this is like, I'm going to church today. It's that arm waving, who can I help today? This is exciting. You know what? I'm going to put some extra money in the back of my pocket. Who knows? I could give that away. I'm going to be ready to hear in case somebody needs to be prayed for. I'm going to do that. Hey, if somebody needs a ride, I'm going to give them a ride. Why? Because I've clothed myself with kindness. That's kindness. That's love in action. I'm going to have compassion. I have mercy on people. I'm going to slow down. But I'm going to do things. I'm actually going to physically do things for others. I'm going to do things. Humility. Clothe yourself with humility. Humility is easy to def define. It's just treating others as better than yourself. As uh, one commentator said, humility is a virtue created by Christianity. Uh, in the ancient days, nobody valued humility. They thought it was a weakness. And here God comes and humbles himself and dies for us in order to lift us up. And he just basically says, listen, come along with me because <laughs> it's not about you. Now, wild, when you come to church, it's really not about you. And that spills out to wherever we go. Humility, what does it look like here? Giving our attention to conversation. It's, it's not about instructing people. It's about telling people, listening to other people's stories. This is an old story in my life, but I... I, when I was doing this message, it just came back to me so clear. I was uh, at one time doing, a, uh, doing some Sunday school in, uh, in Chicago. And uh, there is, uh, you know, you go in there in an in a inner city Korean church. And I was putting away some stuff, and I saw Sue Kim come in. And Sue Kim was so excited, she talked to one of the other leaders. And she said, oh, John, I found this poem. It is so cool. And John says, so what is it? He says, it's called Footprints. All right? Footprints. And he says, oh, yeah, I know that Footprints poem. I have it on my wall. And I, I, you know what I saw? And she goes, oh. She closed it up, put it in the back pocket. Walked away. <laughs> oh, man. That just discouraged her. But John was able to tell her that he already knew that he was smarter. He was down the road further, and he was much more spiritual. So I say, Sue, Sue, I saw, I saw you share something with John. You know what she said? She pulled it out. She said, yeah, dumb old poem. Oh, my goodness. It, it turned from, this is amazing, to a dumb old poem. I said, could you read it to me? Of course I know the poem. You know, I, I just wanted to hear it afresh. And so she said, one day I was walking on the beach. She got that little smile, you know. And, and as I was walking down, you know, I only saw one set of footprints. And, and, and she, I go, wow. I said, Sue, I needed to hear that today. I needed to know that God carries me in my darkest time. I didn't have to tell her I've heard it a hundred times. Why? What, what good would that do? Nothing. She is more important than me. And so right now, I took it in. And then she said, then she said, Dave, Dave, <laughs> I've been reading the Bible. Oh, 
so proud of you, Sue. What, what, what did you find? What did God show you? Um, I read a whole chapter on love. Okay? And I, can you read it to me? Sure. She starts in Genesis. Starts going. I'm, I'm going, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Come on, you know. But I didn't because, what? It's not about me and showing how much I know. So she finally got there. There, there it is. There it is. There it is. Okay, read it to me. Give it to me, Sue. And she read it. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know, you just go, it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's not rude. Doesn't list wrongs. I said, thanks, Sue. I needed that today. It was uh, interesting. As the weeks rolled on, she would come back to church saying, Dave, I've got another verse. And she fed me and she fed me and she fed me. And I came away the richer because I decided not to be the teacher. Come to church. Clothe yourself with compassion and mercy. Kindness. Clothe yourself with humility. Clothe yourself with gentleness. Aristotle called gentleness the self-controlled emotions. Because <laughs> we all get ticked, don't we? No, hold on. There's some really good people out there. But those of you that go, Arr! you know that Arr! before it comes out of the mouth? What, what is it? A mini second that, that you know, Arr! before, you know, the, the first stimulus hits the inner brain, the, that, you know, that animal brain that's going to have that anger. It takes a while to get to the frontal cortex, right? <laughs> to be able to go, hold on, this might be, not be a good thing to say. To be able to hold back our reactions. That's gentleness. To rein in our reactions just for a moment to say, okay, God, what would you have me say? <laughs> what would you have me say? Clothe yourself in compassion. Clothe yourself in kindness and humility and gentleness. And finally, clothe yourself in patience. We don't have to talk a lot about that one, do we? I can go on and on and on, but you'd lose patience with me. It's just, I heard somebody say, patience is not giving God a deadline to remove a problem. Isn't that a good definition? Ah, ah, okay, God, I'm going to ask you to remove this problem. Arr, all right? Yeah, but it's not gone yet, all right? I'm not going to say they're not gone because that would not be nice. But I'm just going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. Well, Christian community needs patience. Why? Because we will disappoint each other. And then he says, as a, as a catch-all over everything, just love, just love. If you don't know what to do, just love each other. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. I, I, I was reading somebody's take on this. Like, how do you do that? Well, in the Christian community, here's a weird thought, okay? Here's a weird thought. You're going to spend forever with that person here in heaven. You still want to go to heaven, people. Okay, it's good. Okay. They're going to be redeemed. You know, some of the, those edges are going to be knocked off. But whoever you're with around here, you're going to spend forever with them. So bear with them. Forgive them. And love them. As the passage continues on. It says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. It goes, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And that, that you know... In, in the Bible, peace is that shalom peace, that, that wholeness. That, so it's not just, oh, give me a peaceful moment. No, I, I, 
all the pieces in my life are going to just settle down together and actually have some peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Since the members of one, uh, since as members of one body, you're called to peace. So it's not just personal peace. It's you bring peace. So it, God, let settle my heart in a peaceful place so I can bring peace to my community. And then he says, be thankful. <laughs> I love that. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's just look at that last little section a little bit. The peace of Christ, the peace of Christ. The peace of Christ. Peace should reign in your heart to a point where you, you give off a little aura of peace. All right? Have you been around people that give off an aura of tension? <laughs> you know what they're like, right? Yeah, okay. You go, oh, they're here. <laughs> I'm going to go over here, right? Because something's going to, or, or give off the aura of complaint. Wow, I'm going to find out everything that's going wrong in their life today. Oh, my goodness. But here, no, no, let peace reign in your heart. So, guess what? People want to be around you. Why? Because you smell. Yeah. <laughs> you smell like peace. If, if you knew somebody like that, when you want to be around them, when you go, you know, let's just hang out with somebody that's a peaceful person. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Actually, the, 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 the word rule is really interesting. It is an athletic word uh, that was used back there as an umpire that sort of judges things. And so uh, William Barclay uh, translates it like this. He says, let the peace of Christ be the umpire in your heart. Isn't that great? You know, strike! Ball, strike, okay? That, that little square, have you ever seen that in reels of, you know, pitchers? And, you know, and, and you see the ball curve and finally makes it in, in the box, right? You go, yeah. The umpire goes, that was a good pitch. That was a good pitch. There's lots of room in that little square, but that was a good thing. Let the peace of Christ be the umpire in your heart. It's the word that's used of umpire to settle in things in any matter of dispute. And so, God, may I be a person of peace. If you've grown up in a liturgical church, you know that there's a time often in liturgy called the passing of the peace. And you get up and you shake hands or you give little hugs. And when you do that, you say, peace. It's a reminder to them. It's a reminder to you. As I was on my pilgrimage, I go, what do you do on a pilgrimage, right? So I was reading all kinds of things. And one thing, if you meet a fellow pilgrim, you're supposed to say peace to you. Okay, that's kind of weird. Hey, how you doing? Where are you from? <laughs> all right? So, yeah, so I met some people. Hey, how you doing? Where are you from? And they, they, they couldn't find their way back on. I had a GPS thing. I told them the right path. And then I remembered, peace to you. It was like, Huh? <laughs> Peace to you. It was a reminder for myself. It was a reminder to them. 
I am going to be a purveyor of peace everywhere I go. And then just stuck in there, seemingly out of nowhere, there's this little phrase that says, just be thankful. <laughs> and the end of these letters, as Paul writes these letters, he always sticks that in there. It's, it's as if he goes, all right, no, be peaceful people. And what's the next? Oh, yeah, I got to get that in. Be thankful. In almost every letter, it's in there. Just be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. <clears throat> it's easy to come in to an auditorium and to all <laughs> already go, well, that's wrong. Oh, man, you know what's going on with them. Oh, to be very negative, right? Just to be around other people. Again, clothe yourself. Thank you, God, that I get to walk in here. Thank you, God, that I get to roll in here. <laughs> Thank you, God, that you're giving me an opportunity to sing, to be with your people. Imagine what it would be like to start every Sunday like that. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. These, these people care about, thank you, God. You're going to feed me from your word. Thank you, God. I'm going to connect with you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. How would your experience be different? Then it says something interesting. It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. And it, you we're encouraged to teach each other. In other words, my story with God uh, may be for someone else. God, how you answered a prayer or how you got an insight from Scripture is actually not only for you, but to encourage other people. Uh, that actually might be what it's for. Um, this is why we're to come and teach one another. We're supposed to encourage one another. In other words, it's not just supposed to come from up here. So I, I'm, I, I grew up in, in an old-fashioned Baptist church. And the Baptists didn't do a lot of things right. Okay, I got that. I got that. You know one thing they did right? Potluck. Oh, yeah. Thanks, thanks. Thanks, Henry. Didn't they do potluck right? Oh, my goodness. Potluck, if you don't know what that is, uh, a family would would make their best dish and bring it in. And everybody, of course, like a, a family, even like maybe two or three people, would bring a dish that had more than just would feed two or three people. So you had this buffet of the best food in the church. Oh, my goodness. Throw Weight Watchers out. It was a moment. <clears throat> there were moments I can still remember. <coughs> Seven-layer salad. Praise the Lord. Ah, uh, it was good. Jelly salad from the grandma. I don't know. Nobody does this anymore, but they were good. And then somebody would make chicken wings, and you hope you made it first in line for them. Whatever your signature meal was, you brought it, and the community loved it. Every so often we do that. We, we've done that in the past with a Super Bowl. Now, there seems to be a little bit of, of, of a shift with Super Bowl. A lot of meat comes out, like ribs and wings and, and yeah, all kinds. You're looking for vegetables somewhere and you can't find it. The, the beautiful thing is everybody brings their best and everybody else enjoys it. I think sometimes we come to church like it's a restaurant. Dave's going to feed us something. Hope it's good. <laughs> Hope it's not one of those greasy breakfasts they serve in Scotland. God bless you. <laughs> yeah, 
you do come and I do feed you. You know what's even better? If you came and fed someone else, could you come and bring your best of the week, whatever that best of the week was, could you come being ready to share it? Now, I know, I know what the temptation is. Oh, I'm not so spiritual. Everybody's going to think I'm so spiritual. Okay, I, now I'm your pastor. I'm giving you permission to go and share God's best in your week here at church. Wouldn't that be awesome if we could teach and encourage one another here at church? Finally, it talks about worship. And how do we do this? How do we do this? He says, do this through through uh, songs, psalms, hymns, songs in the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude. We don't have enough time to pull all those apart. But let me tell you a couple things that worship does that we're going to do very shortly. First of all, worship blesses God. God is blessed through worship. And I know some of you say, well, hold on, hold on, Dave. God doesn't need anything. True, he doesn't need anything. Doesn't mean he doesn't love some things, right? He doesn't love something. He doesn't need our worship, but it blesses God, and it happens. Again, an old story from when uh, my daughter was real small. I was eating a big bag of potato chips, and she was in her high chair, and uh, she had the big eyes that she wants some potato chips, and I was being a good dad. No, no, these are bad for you. <laughs> and finally, I said, okay, and I gave her two chips, two chips, like a good dad, you know, Self-control there, two chips. And, and she did the weirdest thing. She looked at one, and she looked at the, and she measured them to see what the biggest chip was. She found the biggest chip. She gave it back to me. Here, Daddy, for you. Now, did I need that chip? No, I had a whole bag of them. Did it bless me? It blessed me. <laughs> you love me? You love me that much? Man, here's the rest of the bag, honey. <laughs> it's like, this is what we do in worship. God, I bless you. I love you. I am going to give back to you because you have given so much to me. And in this moment, there's this interesting thing. It says, but when we worship, we're actually teaching each other. We're, we're, we're encouraging each other. Can I say, others encouraged in worship. When I see somebody meeting God in worship, often it's a holy moment. And not, not showy people, but somebody that is authentically meeting God. It's like I want to take my shoes off. You know what? It reminds me. Oh, yeah. Got to shake out of this trance I'm in of everything else that's bombarding my mind. I'm going to meet him too. I'm reminded not to merely sing along, but to connect with my father. I can't tell you the number of times I see this. We always do one worship song before we start, and the children are in here. You know why? Because I've seen this, not always, but sometimes. I see some parent just worshiping God, their heart. <laughs> I remember this one guy's just, you know, his hand up a bit. And he had a little guy, and the little guy's just looking at, at the dad, right? <laughs> and he goes, 
Like this, puts the hand up, closes one eye. <laughs> so as we worship, we bless God, but we also teach and encourage each other with psalms and spiritual singing. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up because we're going to be able to practice this. So, my dear friends, Sunday mornings are the highlights of my week. And because of these things and so many more, I am encouraged by worship. Even though I do the preaching, you know what? When I hear about spiritual stories from you, I get fed by you. So thank you. In fact, I, I love it so much. I, I still remember some uh, a young person years ago. She would not grown up in church, and she got it, what this was all about. And uh, I remember her coming in here. Remember this? And she said, it's Jesus Day. And she just screamed, it's Jesus Day. Yeah, I know, every day is Jesus Day, but that's cool, that's cool. It's Jesus Day, right? And then, and then uh, she say, Dave, Dave, this is my countdown church. What's a countdown church? I count the days down to when it's going to happen again. I go, that day, that young woman put on compassion and kindness and humility to be able to learn. She put on getting ready to come. And so I asked all of you to do that. When you come to church, come to church dressed, dressed in Jesus. And let's encourage each other, one another together. Heavenly Father, you are good all the time. And Lord, allow us to be able to encourage one another to love one another in you. And let's do this through our worship now in Jesus' holy name. Amen.